Hello everyone and welcome to the Walk in the Light podcast and may God bless you all. My name is Josh and today I wanted to uh, take a fun look into Paul's ministry. I'd like to eventually do a whole series on this as I have a few ideas. But today I just want to take a look in, at uh, his gospel ministry and some of the fun aspects um, to how Paul approached proclaiming the gospel. This obviously isn't all encompassing but I just want uh, to look at something fun and thought about as I read Acts and how Paul approached various different cities he went to and how he uh, <clears throat> proclaimed the gospel there. Uh, but first, let's get into prayer using uh, Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 3. Um, actually, before I again, just want to titling this uh, gospel vision, uh, thinking about, again, doing a full series on it. Uh, using Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, and us all, grant all of us of your glory, you may grant strengthen with the power through the Spirit in our inner being, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that we, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Christ Jesus, who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to you be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. <clears throat> so, uh, going to be looking at uh, primarily through... Acts chapter 17, it's going to be 16 through 34, um, and I'm not going to uh, read through all of it this time, I'm just going to kind of start uh, breaking it down as um, I have a lot more than I intended to cover in this, and so I'm going to try to get through this uh, relatively quickly. But uh, <clears throat> Acts chapter 17, verse 16, it says, now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. First, Athens was not Paul's primary destination. We know that we know from Paul's time in Thessalonica and Berea that he was met with hostility from the Thessalonians. But as Paul navigated Athens, he went <clears throat> he went around and uh, like what happened in uh, many of the places he went, he found various different idols. Or gods that were being worshipped. Um, I don't want to go into too much detail just yet, but some of the gods he may have uh, uh, worshipped were ones like. Um, actually, the gods parts will go through, uh, um, but I don't want to get into too much detail on the other stuff just yet. But um, one of the gods that was <clears throat> worshipped there um, that they that he likely would have seen was Athena. Uh, she was considered the goddess of wisdom, reason, uh, and purity. Uh, she was considered the protector of Athens. Uh, another one they would have had is Zeus, uh, the cloud gatherer, and later uh, Jupiter by the Romans, the father of gods and men, amongst other titles he, he had, uh, like the god of, uh, I think it was like thunder and stuff like that. Um, 
Next we have uh, Hera, the queen of gods, the goddess of marriage and family. Uh, she was Zeus's wife. Uh, Poseidon, or to the Romans, Neptune. He is the brother of Zeus and Hades. Um, you see him uh, connected with a lot of things that had to do with the sea and water and stuff like that. Uh, Demeter, or Ceres, the goddess of fertility, agriculture, nature, and the seasons. Uh, many places Paul went to had a god or goddess of fertility and agriculture. <clears throat> Apollo, son of Zeus and uh, Leto, and the twin brother of Artemis. He was considered the god of light and inspiration. Artemis, or uh, Diana, daughter of Zeus and Leto, again the twin brother of Apollo. She was considered a protector, goddess of hunting, but she was um, considered a virgin goddess and the goddess of chastity. She was also worshipped heavily at Ephesus, and there's a uh, um, Paul goes into more detail um, about the worship of her at uh, Ephesus in the in the book of Ephesians. <clears throat> Ares or Mars, he was despised by most of the other gods and was also considered a coward. Aphrodite or Venus, considered the goddess of love, beauty, and desire. She had magic powers that were said to make anyone desire her. Uh Probably going to butcher this one, but Hephaestus, or Vulcan, he was the master blacksmith, armorer, and craftsman of the gods. Hermes, or Mercury, he was the messenger of the gods. He was considered fast, with, uh, and you've probably seen uh, stuff with him with winged sandals, winged hats, and carrying a wand wrapped in snakes. Hestia, or Vesta, a virgin goddess of the earth. Dionysus, or Bacchus, the god of, uh, uh, that was supposed to be wine, celebration, and ecstasy, patron god of the art of theater. And lastly, uh, at least as far as my list of, of gods, they, he likely... Uh, seen uh, statues and idols for is Hades, brother of Zeus. He was the lord of the underworld and ruler over the dead. <clears throat> um, when when Paul saw a lot of these. Uh, idols and uh, various gods as he went around Athens. Um, he was provoked in his spirit as the city was, again, just rampant with many idols and false gods. Uh, next, we're going to verse 17. <clears throat> so he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. As was common with Jesus, uh, and also with Paul here, uh, upon arriving at a city, uh, he would go to the synagogues and speak with the people there, the Jews there. 
Uh, what was very intriguing here is Paul studied Athens uh, as he walked around, spoke to various people, especially in the marketplace, and he did this every day with um, anyone he came in contact with there. Um, the study of Athens was um, very wise, and we'll go further uh, into that and how to come into play later. Um, <clears throat> verse 18, some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him, and some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. Paul didn't just study Athens, but he wasted no time getting into the gospel uh, and, and proclaiming it in the city there. Um, Epicurean and Stoic philosophy was... Um, the Epicurean was founded around 307 BC, and and the Stoic philosophy was uh, pretty similar. It was found in uh, the third century BC. Um, Epicureanism is the teaching of Epicurus, and was the goal of living to find friendship, live uh, live humbly, and avoidance of pain, fear, and anxiety. Uh, Stoicism. Uh, was very similar as a school philosophy of life for positive emotions and help people acquire virtuous character. This was likely an extremely foreign concept to them to hear of Jesus Christ, uh, what he did, and about the resurrection. Paul seemed to be, uh, however, to be getting their attention uh, by proclaiming in the within the city. Um, forgot it had slide for these, but yeah, again here, uh, Epicureanism, uh, Stoicism. Uh, so verses uh, 19 through 21, and they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting, for you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. Um, and this was a, a big part of the uh, Areopagus um, uh, The Areopagus was a place for people to come and talk about uh, things, uh, especially new things, new ideas, religion, and uh, just really anything that uh, that would have intrigued them, and uh, it was run by a council, um, probably to just keep some order to it. Um, but, but yeah, that's typically what was done there. In 22 through 23, so Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious, for as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. So <clears throat> what I love about this passage is what Paul does here. He had spent time moving around Athens, keeping his eyes and ears open to not only identify what issues, especially heart issues, the... Athenians may have had, but he also sought things. Um, 
he could use to proclaim the gospel to the people of Athens in a way they would understand by using something that existed already um, that they were familiar with to bring them into the gospel. Paul acknowledges that the Athenians are, all, are already a deeply religious people. Um, to the unknown gods, um, uh, there's nothing concrete in, uh, in how this, this altar came to be about. Um, but there are some scholars out there that have looked further into this inscription that some people that may have found some Old Testament scripture and, and sought to do what was in it. They took some lambs and separated the ones without blemish and sacrificed them to God. Not only, not long afterwards, they started to notice some major blessings uh, coming their way that wasn't happening in their worship to other gods. So they went to make an inscription of them, and when they tried to decide on a name, one said, we should not offend God by giving him a name. Obviously, again, this idea of this story, um, I have no idea if this story is true, but it's uh, interesting to think about and, uh, and how this, in, this uh, altar, uh, um, this in the, with this inscription, um, <clears throat> came to be about. So uh, just something, something I found kind of interesting as I read through it. Um, but Paul used it to, uh, to get their attention to something that may have already existed. Uh, and that he could use to point them towards God and the gospel that was already within the city. And so, continuing on uh, in Acts 17, 24-27, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, yet he is actually not far from each one of us. Again, like I said in the previous verses, Paul uses it to connect the people of Athens to the gospel. He tells how God is the only God and creator of the universe, and how God created everything, and no man can offer God anything, um, and how man is uh, to seek God um, and created, uh, created to worship him and him exclusively. And then uh, just on that next little part, we have uh, 28. For in him we live and move uh, and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Um, this is said to be a quote from the Cretan poet uh, Ep Epimenides. Epimenides, I'm not sure how to say it. Um, but uh, again, uh, continuing here uh, from 29 through the end of the passage we're going to look at today, which is verse 34. Um, being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like, uh, being is like gold or silver or stone 
or an image formed by the art and imagination of man? The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, We'll hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst, but some men joined him and believed, among whom also were Dionysus, Dionysius, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. <clears throat> Here, Paul uh, goes into the gospel message. First, he makes it clear that God is not a being like gold or silver or stone that they were uh, that the that the, uh, man would typically make to worship. Um, he was not a work of art or anything that would come from the imagination or craftsmanship of man. Uh, before Christ's sacrifice, God may have overlooked man's ignorance, especially in regards to the Gentiles. But now that Christ had died for sins and was raised the third day, man must repent and turn to Christ because God's judgment on the world was approaching. And faith in Christ and the death and burial and resurrection and believing, placing their trust in Christ for salvation was the only way. Though Paul, um, though some mocked Paul, others wanted to hear more uh, and went on to believe what Paul had to say. So um, let's look at the summary and application. I had I added some questions in here, which typically I don't do, but uh, just kind of wanted to add something to think about. Um, I don't want these questions to be seen as like something that's supposed to be like over the top or anything like that. Um, uh, but just something to kind of think about to kind of evaluate where we are. Um, and I'm trying to trying to try to do it in a way that's kind of for like today's Christian something to think about. Uh, so the first one is uh, Paul was very good at looking at the people and cities that he went to in finding ways to bring the gospel to those people in that culture? How can Christians today apply that in a rapidly evolving culture of today where idols and other temptations are around every corner and more accessible than ever? Um, this one is supposed to be a two. Uh, Paul was constantly in this gospel mode whether he was on trial, being persecuted, traveling, or just being in a city, Paul was constantly looking for ways to bring the gospel to people. Not to chain people to a performance, but to encourage us on our mission to proclaim the gospel. That being said, what can Christians do to help the church body, like Paul, constantly being in gospel mode? Are we doing all that we can to bring Christ to a lost world that desperately needs him? Uh, this one should be three. Paul had a heart for God that when he was when he saw idols, it provoked him in his soul and in his spirit. Now we aren't to be project hate and shame on, at unbelievers, but to bring the gospel to them with love, joy, and gentleness. 
How can we be a church body that can identify sins in unbelievers or non-Christians and use it to bring a good news gospel of grace through faith in Christ Jesus with joy and gentleness and love while encouraging others to see their desperate need for Christ and to repent? And the last one, number four. Paul was a great example of knowledge, competence, and driven to live out the gospel um, in his day-to-day life. How are we doing and getting into the Word, leaning on the Holy Spirit in it, and being prepared in and out of season to give the gospel and speak biblical truths when you are challenged, um, especially in regards to uh, unbelievers or non-Christians? So, in closing... Uh, Paul was constantly in this, again, this gospel mode. It didn't matter if he was in or out of season, whether he was on trial or in prison, whether he was arriving in the city for a first time or was returning to it. Paul constantly gave the gospel and helped people apply the gospel in all their situations and circumstances. Good time, times or persecution. I really liked looking at this because Paul wasn't even in Athens as a primary destination. He was taken there after being driven out of Berea and and before that Thessalonica. But he chose to continue working, examining his surroundings, talking to people, and trying to find ways to give and apply the gospel in various different places with various different cultures and uh, historical backgrounds while also being led uh, constantly by the Holy Spirit. Um, So that's all I have for you today on this. Um, I'd ask if you have any prayer requests and or praises that you you can send them to walkinthelight at walkinthelightsp.com. We also have uh, various different um, social media. So if you like what you're doing and want more daily doses, uh, you can follow us at those accounts. Um, we have a Twitter, it's walkin underscore the light. We have a Facebook, which is walkin the light. And we have an Instagram, which is walkin the light SP. Um, I just pray that this, uh, that this would be a blessing to you guys. And it's just something to kind of fun to look into and just, uh, um, just kind of see how Paul approached spreading the gospel and just, uh, how he was constantly in that mode. But, um, I just thank you. Thank you for your time and uh, hope this uh, study was a blessing to you today.